Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humboldt Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humboldt Park. We're going to talk about thriving in the spirit in the city, the series with two subtitles. The Urban Mystic, Thriving in the Spirit in the City, but today we're talking about only by prayer. That as much as, as strong as we are, as mighty as we may be, there are some things that are only going to happen by prayer. And that's a problem for a traditionally uh, um, culture whose attention is always being fought for. Prayer is super boring. And this is from a pastor. (laughs) At first. (laughs) At first, it's very boring, and you're like, why am I even doing this? Why am I even here? But there are some places that God wants to take us by his spirit that is only going to happen by prayer. Why? Because it's literally our protection against the enemy. It's protection against the... um, the things that he does, sometimes I'm surprised that the more I pray, the more things start to get stirred up. And I'm like, God, this is supposed to be peaceful. You know, I think it's sometimes how we think when we come to Jesus. It's like, I come to you, Jesus, I'm supposed to have no more problems. He's like, no, it's not that you won't have any storms. It's just that I'm your anchor in the storm now. And I think that um, it is a best way for us to begin to be strengthened. And there are things that God wants to give us ways that God wants us to impact the neighborhood, ways that God wants us to, con- to grow, but it can happen only by what? Prayer. Say only, only. By, by prayer. prayer. Only, only by, by prayer. prayer. We prove our heart to the Lord in so many ways, um, or we attempt to, but the best way is to cultivate his presence and his spirit in our lives. Um, time, it seems like week by week, our time is getting narrower and narrower. You're like, I had 168 hours in this week. It seems like this week I got like 150. And then it just keeps going down and down and down. And then say you want to pray and you want to seek after the Lord. The only thing that travels week to week is the guilt is that you missed it the last week. You're like, oh man, dang it. I only did this a couple times. All right, let's move on. Let's try this next one. And then it's the same thing, and it compounds, and you're like, I don't even know why I try to seek after the Lord in this way. Um, But I promise you, once that is in alignment in your life, everything else begins to come into focus. It doesn't mean that everything changes overnight. All those people who effed you over or, you know, I'm so sorry I did that to you. No, no, that's not going to happen. But what does happen is we begin to see from God's perspective. And we begin to see with his heart. And we have a little more kindness. We have a little more love. We have an ability to help in a way that we never have before. But it's because we are being um, filled from the throne room. And you know what it drains as our presence with God and our intimacy with God feels? Our complaining like goes down and our ability to be offended goes down. All, it, it grows with his presence and our ability to um, seek after him goes up. In Mark 9 and 22, if you want to turn there in your physical Bibles, because I don't have a screen, I can put it on. 
Mark 9 and 22. And uh, Jesus has just been on a mountain, the Mount Transfiguration. And when you're talking about a banging service, you know, that's what this would be like. Jesus is physically talking to Moses and Elijah on a mountain. And in one version, he's, uh, he's talking, Peter is talking so much that God cuts him off. And he says, this is my son who I'm well pleased with. Listen, this is my son. Listen to him. Jesus is on a mountain because he's talking with Moses and Elijah. Elijah represents the prophets. Moses represents the law. Jesus is representing the institution of a new covenant that is greater than the law and the prophets. So Peter being there with him would have said, oh my, this is ridiculous that I'm actually seeing the pillars of our Jewish faith and Jesus is talking with them as he is instituting a new covenant. This is what was beautiful about God. He's never like, let's just get rid of everything that came before. He's like, no, let me show you how what is happening currently is a fulfillment of all the prophecies and all the things that were to come. God, in this way, is leaving no stone unturned that Jesus would be there speaking with these titans in a pantheon of Jewish faith. Moses, who led the children of Israel through the desert, and, and Joshua, who led them into the promised land, and Elijah, who was this amazing, wonderful prophet who faced down continually kings and saw people who worshipped all kind of other gods slaughtered, who stood on Mount Carmel and dared the, the uh, priests of Baal to prove their God truthful. But he proved his God truthful. Jesus is talking with them face to face. And then he comes down off of the mountain, what normally happens after a spiritually euphoric feeling. You have to come back down to earth, right? You come, he comes back down, and there's an argument going on because his disciples can't seem to cast a demon out of a little boy. And there's a crowd gathered. It's a huge spectacle going on, and Jesus comes down in the midst of this. Now, you wonder sometimes, okay, I'm coming out of God's presence, right? Why I got to come down into some crap? <laughs> because you are now carrying the peace for the situation. God is not about us keeping us away from every bit of pain and confusion and chaos. He's about us incarnating ourselves in the midst of it and being like, Maybe I have the solution inside of me because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. So in Mark 9 and 22, Jesus asked the boy's father who was there, how long has he been like this? He's demonized. He throws himself in a fire. He's just foaming at the mouth. And the father says, from childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, <laughs> you know who I am. I'm a bad man. <laughs> Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, 
His disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. Say, only Only. by prayer. prayer. If. Jesus was so offended by the if. (laughs) Don't you know who I am? If I can do it. I mean, you know, I'll see what I can do. I don't know. I assume that sometimes even God in his loving nature can be so offended by the doubt that we show. Something that he's done for us 50 times over. On a 51st time, we'll be like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen. That we are more apt to show confidence in our own strength than we are to trust in his. To show up and do what he's been doing forever. He's been feeding you every day of your life. And sometimes, well, I don't know, God, this next thing that's coming up. It's not looking good, and I'm sure God just laughs to himself, like it says in Psalm 1, that God sits in heaven and laughs. That yes, there are people who are going hungry, who have, don't have enough of what they need. The vast majority of earth, God has been feeding animals, fish, birds, bugs. Everybody been eating for millennia. And he does it without ever asking for a thank you. But how we begin to worship him. Shortly after I came to this church, God gave me a word. He's like, okay. It was when we were living on the north side and we were living in a three-bedroom apartment. And um, it was, us getting a house was just looking bad. Like it wasn't going to happen. It was looking pretty bleak. And God gave me just a, a really simple word. He said, I'm going to get your house straight, and then I'm going to get the church straight. And I'm like, and it was looking bleak on, you know, the first end, definitely. And he, he did it slowly but surely, got us settled into a home. And I know sometimes here, being in a space that's not a traditional church, it can feel unsettling sometimes getting used to a new space, and we've been there for the longest time. But it really is determined how we stand on the words that God gives us, what our faith looks like. What does it look like when he gives us something small? But we cannot stand on that when our foundation of prayer is so weak that we, we, we just can't. It will become overwhelming to us. Everything that happens in life will seem like an astronomical problem. You know what happens when you pray? You get an astronomical God. He starts to grow in his measure, in his stature, in your ability to see the stuff that he's been working out through life. I'm telling you, I'll be able to share some of the stuff in a budget meeting, but he's just been working things out for us to keep us going that is beyond my um, understanding. But it's us really holding on to him and not letting the enemy come in and say, look, this is your fear. Your fear is happening. I told you. Yep, look, this is, this is the moment. And you know what happens with our fears? We will hasten their manifestation. Because we're like, oh, see, see this is the moment that I feared anyway, so I'm just going to give up. And God is like, That was just fear. You know, when fear comes up, it really means that you're pissing the enemy off. That you're you're pressing into territory 
that is scary, that is new. But in his presence, perfect love casts out fear. I don't have a lot of nightmares, you know what I'm saying? But when I do have a nightmare, it's like my wife is cheating on me or something. And I'm like, oh, I'll wake up like <laughs> Now, what, how, what kind of life would I live if I started to treat my life like that was true? I'd be suspicious. I'd be crazy. I'd be doing all kind of stuff. Because this lie, this fear has just become truth. But in prayer, what happens is the truth becomes big and what God does for us. And I'm telling you, when we get our eyes off of all the evidence, it's when we get all the fruit, when we put our eyes on him. And we turn around and we're like, what the heck? What did all this fruit in this garden pop up from? It's because we had our eyes on him and abiding in him. Building faith with him. I know it's the opposite in this world. This world, we're just like, okay, if I keep looking at this pot, it's going to boil. No, that's not the way it happens. You got to go get in the shower, come out, and then all the water is gone. You're like, what the heck? I'm just trying to boil some eggs. That's good. A watch pot doesn't boil. But when we can really stop letting our souls dictate what we're doing and what we believe we like let our souls run the show like a mug it's like what are you feeling today soul what is your soul feeling today your soul is like I want comfort (laughs) I want to forget about my troubles I want to just chill and I want to avoid pain okay soul why don't you lead me around and we'll do that It's like, things that seem to work out. I woke up the next day, all my problems were still there. Yes, they were still there. When we are led by our souls, but by the Spirit of God, as, our, as his influence in our life grows, then we are able to be happy and joyful in whatever situation. Because we know, can't nobody take Jesus away from me? can nobody take the presence of God? But I promise you, this is going to be the the most important thing I ever say to you is that it's, I don't know if that, that maybe I mean, but it's the importance of prayer and how God hides the most beautiful gift in plain sight and most of us just walk past it and don't have time. I'm, I promise you, if you prioritize intimacy with God, everything else will get done that you need to get done. I guarantee you. It it works that way, I know. God is like, give me your first fruits. Give me your first fruits and everything else will work out. Give me the first tithe. Give me the first 10%. And I promise you everything else will work out. But we're like, I don't know, I've been doing some numbers, God. And you know what I'm saying? I don't really got the hours. I don't have... He's like, look, just like the widow who Elijah told, make me a cake first. How hard was that for her? She was like, we're going to make this and die. <laughs> like, that's really a bare cover. You know, I can get creative in the cover, you know what I'm saying, and make something. But she's like, I'm, I'm going to make this and, and me and my son, are, we're going to die. And God asked her to give the prophet, feed him first. Like, this faith, this trust is real. He won't let you down. 
I promise you, but we don't believe that if we can't be in his presence with him. And I wake up early. What is the number one competition with prayer? Sleep. Number one. Number one competition. Jesus is like, you can't pray with me for one hour? <laughs> come on, come on, pray for me. Sleep is good. And you can always justify getting some more sleep. Straight. Prayer causes us to meditate on what he has done and not what he's not doing. We, we make the most of everything. You ever seen anybody who's just like, oh, look at this little clover. Look at this bird. Look at this pretty little thing here. Making a big deal of what he's doing will keep you thankful for what hasn't happened yet. Making a big deal. Of, and he's always doing something. Trust me. He's always doing I want to thank the Lord. He, I woke up on this morning, put clothes on my back. I'm in my right mind. <laughs> you say that because you're thankful for the things that you, you might have and see differently. The top 1% of the world has to make how much money, do you think? $32,000 to be in the top 1% of the world. And we're chasing each other around the block and we want certain things and we got to have into the majority of the world. You are seeing wealth that they will never, ever touch. This anxiety that we carry and we walk around and we still concentrate on all the stuff God hasn't done. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, it says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All the stuff that Jesus did, and he didn't even have the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All the stuff the disciples did, and they were living the New Testament, and they, all they had was the Old Testament. These scriptures that you can read and go, oh, man. That God is healing. Oh, man, I really need some healing in my body, and my parents need some healing. What's going on? Read every and pray through every healing scripture that is in the New Testament that Jesus all of his healing stories, you stir that up in you, I guarantee something will happen. It will begin to unfold something in you. The hard part with this life that we live in is our consistency and our ability to do things over and over and over and over again without seeing any kind of result. Like, imagine if everybody who planted a seed just gave up on it in the garden. I don't see it. That's it. I don't see it. It's not happening. It's like I go out there every day. I told you it's going to be a lot of garden metaphors in this series. So <laughs> I go out there every day and water this garden. I'm just like, man, this is okay. All right, put some water on it. And then they start to, like, pop up. And the sunflowers, who don't really have a flower on it yet, turn to the sun. Like... <laughs> 
That's just crazy. And bit by bit, and no matter how much I water them with water, I can never have them respond the way they do from rain. It rained yesterday. I'm like, man, you act like I don't, rain. I don't water y'all. <laughs> All the plants are just like, <sighs> like that water from heaven is just different. It is just different. And that's prayer, sitting in his presence, resting with him, and then go and do your day. And I know it's a million things to do in the beginning, and my kids get up earlier and earlier, it seems, so I have to get up earlier and earlier. And you know what God does? He's like, "Uh, could you get up earlier? I need some more time with you. (laughs) It's 3 a.m., Lord. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm just going to sit here right now. Just a little more. And us finding where our faith actually is. What can we believe for? What can we believe God for? You will not see what you can't believe for. I mean, you will make happen yourself, and you can circumnavigate having to believe for it, but apparently the blessing of God adds no sorrow to it. So how do you know if something is from God or something I did from my own strength if it's got sorrow with it? It's like, you know, the timing of the Lord means wait a little longer and let me do it by my spirit. That patience and waiting on the Lord does not come by any other way than sitting with him and being content to wait as long as you need to wait for him to give it to you. So that it's not stolen immediately when troubles and trials come. But it's hard, this world we live in, even to say the word help, which is what happens in intimacy with God. We're being honest. Help. I need some help, Lord. I'll tell you guys about the story of me almost drowning in the ocean. And the Holy Spirit had to tell me to say help. What? <laughs> This is, we've learned to suffer and drown during the pandemic by ourselves. And that silent suffering is our only option. That we can't talk about it, we can't share it with anybody. And that's a lie of the enemy because if I could, in 2019, craft the most evil villain I could imagine... It wouldn't be a Marvel villain. It would be a person who managed to keep us all apart for a long amount of time. That that would be the greatest villain I I could craft. But we, we need him. And we have to rebuild our life again around needing Jesus. Just like this universe needs the sun, this earth needs needs the sun, we need the sun. We have to revolve around him. In Hebrews 11 and 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm telling you, it's a lot of days where I pray and nothing happens. Like, I don't feel like nothing is happening. And I'm just like, I've I've committed to do this. All right, here we go. I'm getting up. Going down the stairs. Is the dog going to follow me down the stairs? I don't know. I go sit in my chair. 
and I sit there, and sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> Other times I try to get up and pace so I don't fall asleep. But then we have a moment, like on Wednesday, our prayer and worship night, where people from all the congregations gather at Wrigleyville, and you go, oh, okay, this is why we pray. Because you start to feel the momentum. The moment like today in worship, where you start to feel the momentum of the Spirit, you go, oh, this is why. He rewards those who diligently seek him. And what I say is his greatest gift, his presence. That's what he rewards us with. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do we build faith? By pleasing God. What's your pleasure? You know, one of them old carnies or something. What's your pleasure? Hey, buddy. got some cigars. God, what is your pleasure? He just wants to be with us. He just wants to be with us. And in de- like imagine giving your whole life over to pleasing God. I think we think somewhere in our minds that how would anything get done? Who would take the trash out if I'm pleasing God? Do you really think taking the trash out would be an issue? <laughs> Somebody be happy, skipping with <laughs> I do everything that I do unto God as worship to please him. When we're worshiping, that's what we're doing. We're pleasing. I do it unto him. I love my family unto God because it pleases him. And like, that's an amazing builder of faith in us. Seeing God take pleasure in something that we do. We go, oh man, see, I knew it. Just like the prayer and worship night. I'm like, God is releasing us. He's, having, he's giving us back our voices. We've been silent for too long. And a lady there is like, I was reading on the plane today, and I always write down stuff from a book, and she wrote down this quote, and the quote was, you always got to remember to use your voice. Like, that stuff happening in the Spirit only increases when we pray. And God will start to, he will put you in the right place at the right time and the right purpose. Just by getting hungry on that. And God just wants more. Only by prayer. What Jesus wasn't saying is that you didn't pray good enough to his disciples. What he was saying is, you got good at casting out demons of your own strength. I go to them and I say, come out demon, and they come out. He said, this kind comes only by prayer. Only by the preparation and dependency on God that happens in prayer. Because we can get so good at ministry, we can get so good at things in our lives, we're like, what do I need God for? I got, I got this, I'm good. And then that's when God switches the, the method. And things don't work anymore. So if you've ever been in a season that something you did worked, spiritually, you're like, I can connect with God easy this way. And then it switches. It's because he wants us to seek after him and not the thing whatever it is. But the purpose, if we abide in him and the method switches, we will not be off in the wrong place. In Mark 14 and 37, 
Jesus came back and found his disciples sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Dang, man. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Then he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. Sleep is good. Have a very tall teenage son who would always rather be sleepy. <laughs> I drove him to a tournament this morning, and we get there. We're like five minutes early. He's like, I'm just going to sleep a little. <laughs> like, five minutes? Is it going to make that much a difference? Well, he says, all right, a couple more minutes. <laughs> like, did you go into a deep sleep? I don't know. Meaning that there are always going to be things for us to do that is not being intimate with him. Very practical things. The more we are in his presence, the more dependent on him we become. The more we are outside of his presence, the more independent we become. We're about to celebrate Independence Day. Yeah, I did it on myself. I'm a self-made person. That's not what we care about as believers. We care about our dependence upon community. We care about our dependence upon Jesus. Because the closer you get to him, the more you have to depend on him. And that's what Jesus understood when he prayed for the little boy. I'm dependent on God right now to do this. But his disciples were like, man, we kicking in doors everywhere. We're like action heroes, baby. Come out. Yeah. When I say a word like this and then I put my hand like this, the demon just comes out. But it didn't work. Because that kind only comes out by what? Prayer. You guys want to stand up?